Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hello, Don. J.J., today you are wearing a USA Olympic t-shirt, <laughs> and it's a curling t-shirt. Yes, it it has the curling rock on it. Yes, it is. And you yes, took the staff. Is. I wasn't able to join you guys, <laughs> yeah. but you took the staff <laughs> curling today. Yes, I did. Like, really on ice. Yeah, you went, we went, you went to an ice. ice rink. Yep. And how'd that go? It was magic. Had you ever done it before? No, it was like everything I hoped it would be and more. And our staff is big. I think about 10 people went, went and, yeah. and you won. <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> I threw the last rock that won the game. Oh, it was the most fun thing. Like I almost just took a half personal You, did. you day. came back and it was goofy. You I were, was you were crying. Like, I was a little teary. I almost called you and said, I need a half day personal day because I really can't be expected to work after To which this. I would have said, come into the office. <laughs> Curl yourself uh, into back the into office. the office. Oh, it was magic. This it's is a, this really is a big step. goal for you yep. to someday. And by the way, the oldest Olympian mm-hmm. in this Olympics, I can't remember what country they're from, mm-hmm. 56 mm-hmm. curling. Yeah. Did you know that? I actually didn't. I'm a little ashamed I, just I didn't. stumped but you with you, curling yeah, I'm a little knowledge. ashamed I did not know that. But You yes. have 14 years? Yeah. That's plenty of time. Plenty, especially so after say, the way I did today. We interviewed Todd Herman today. He is a sports psychologist guy who helps people get great things done. Yeah. He has 16 Olympic athletes currently yeah. in this Olympics. <laughs> yeah. He's up in the middle of the night talking to people in Seoul, yes. Korea from New York City all the time. Yeah. We did a short interview with him on, he has a thing called the 90-day year. Yeah. And he breaks down goal setting into 90 days. Yeah. And I'm curious, we may send you to him <laughs> to see if in 90 days he can make Get you an Olympic curler. To move me towards my what Olympic would your, dream. Without listening to the interview, because yeah. you haven't heard it yet. No. It's life or death. <sighs> you have to compete in the Olympics as a curler Yeah, or... yeah. You die an untimely death, and you get shot out to space in a Tesla. Very binary, but okay. <laughs> so you you have to do it. Yeah. What are your steps? First step, honestly, would go on a diet. Because <laughs> it was I'm very sore. difficult. We curled for about an hour, and I'm already sore. It's using muscles that I have. There's some deep lunges there. The rock is, there is some 40 deep lunges. pounds? Yeah. Yeah. Even just carrying that thing out on that. Well, you don't carry it. Don't you just slide it around? On. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And sweeping is, you know, that's no joke either, but I'm really good at it, by the way, BT dubs. But <laughs> here's the thing is that, so the first thing I would do is I would go on a diet. I need to get my lunges going deeper. And then, <laughs> and then I would buy ice time. I would get on that ice and I would curl every single day. And then after you have a I coach? actually- You're going to get a coach? Yeah. So that's actually, oddly enough, that's step three for me because the first one would be, I want to- You don't want to embarrass be, yourself in front of a coach. You got to Yeah. Get and I need well, to are you afraid you'd learn bad form? No, no, because well, it's a different form every time. Yeah, I mean, no, there's not going to be muscle memory there. I have to build the muscles first before they have any kind of memory. So <laughs> that's the first step. And then I would bring in the coach and then I would just go. I and would then, just go. And then it you would, get sponsored and then, yeah, you know, yeah, story brand would sponsor name, me. You can't go to the mall. You can't yeah. buy groceries anymore because people are bothering you. Yeah, everybody's saying happy birthday because they know who I am. It's interesting. <laughs> but if I really wanted to do it, I would put in a plan and I would make it happen. I would actually probably move to either Minnesota or Canada to train. One of the things that Todd says in this interview is that it is very difficult for you to think much past 90 days. Yeah. That goals that you can reach within 90 days are much more attainable than goals that you can reach in a year. I would agree with that. I think so, too. Yeah. We actually talk about in the interview how we tend to see our future person as another person. Yeah. And so we are not very motivated to do anything for them. Yeah. That actually raises a question for me, though, because are you able to finish a book in 90 days? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. 
18 months is probably the fastest I've ever finished. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like, <laughs> you know, a lot of people want yeah. to write books. You've done it. I would agree that a lot of times we can only look that time. But when you're working on a goal that is 18 months out, you know that 18 months out is when this book is done. Then there's a whole nother work to get it launched and get it to the public. Yeah, yeah. If it's, you knew, and it's amazing how convenient it is that you forget in between books <laughs> what actually goes, goes into writing into a book. It, yeah. Okay, so that's a good question. If I had to sit down and create stages yeah, process or formulas, for I would probably writing. be able to guide somebody through that. But I don't do that for myself. Every yeah. book has pretty well, much been written in a different let's way. Take care of okay, this so if right I had now. to, so if I'm somebody your, were writing no, I'm a book. Your coach. Well, here's the thing. Most people mm-hmm. now I'm gonna get people are gonna get angry at me. Okay, go. <laughs> but the invention of the laptop uh-huh. and the invention of the internet and Instagram and Facebook posts and all this yeah. kind of stuff have made people think they are writers when they aren't. <laughs> now, what I'm not saying is they don't have the DNA to become a writer yeah, or they yeah. don't have the blessed to become a writer. What they want is to be able to operate as a craftsman or craftswoman without having learned the craft. Yeah, This is a really painful thing for me. I have friend after friend after friend who send me manuscript and they just want affirmation. Yeah. You know, Betsy and I are building a house right now. And there is a craftsman building our house. Yeah. He has done this for 30 years. He's built a hundred plus homes. Yeah. It would be like me going up to him saying, Hey, I, you know, I'm looking at these homes. I'm going to build one. I can't wait to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine what would happen in his brain. Yeah. Because the reason he's good is not because he was born with a gift, it's because he has made 55,000 errors. Yeah. And when somebody comes up to me and says, I want to write a book, I literally think you haven't made the 55,000 errors yet. Before you. <laughs> so you got to understand that's stage one. Yeah. Make 55,000 errors in trying to write a crap. book. Now, of these friends who've come to me, and there's been 100 of them who've given me their book, there's been a few who have actually become published authors, some of them quite successfully. Yeah. What they all had in common is they had a work ethic. Yeah. That's what it was. It wasn't they were gifted. Nobody's gifted. You don't wake up as John Steinbeck. Yeah. You don't. In fact, read, I think it's The Big Bus. It's one of Steinbeck's first books. It's decent. It's like a really good college student who has a lot of potential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is not Cannery Row. Yeah. It is not Grapes of Wrath. It yeah. is not East of Eden. That happened 20 years later. Yeah. And between those two was a heck of a lot of work. So you would say step one in a process, you would say start writing. Well, no, no, I wouldn't. Start practice. I would say assess whether or not you are a person who can think about an idea and develop that idea for more than 12 months without losing passion, energy, or interest. Oh. And if you don't have that skill, don't write. Yeah, don't start. And, And here's why. You may finish a book. It will not be a good book. Yeah. Unless you got a ghostwriter or somebody to help you write it, which I am 100% for. Yeah. <laughs> because there are people who I think have an incredible message and an incredible story that the world needs to see, and what they need is a craftsman yeah. to help them get it out. So, but your process. My process. So your process, 18 months, you're going to go into a book for 18 months. Talk to me about how you get a book done. I don't necessarily do chapter ideas. I do ideas. I say, these are the thoughts that this book would break down into. Uh-huh. These days, I use... The online brand script that we created, the yeah. software that we created, it's at mystorybrand.com if you want to use it. I outline, I'm not an outliner, but yeah. I do outline my book now in that brand script. I tend to collect data, research, thoughts inside of those brand scripts. And uh-huh. so I'm capturing thoughts on each idea. Then once that's done, 
I'll take all of that and I'll put it into a Word document. So that would be f- probably phase one and phase two. Yeah. Outlining it, then collecting all the data. That's phase two. Phase three is putting it all into one Word document. Yeah. And then I think the most important part of the book writing process after you do all that is the first paragraph. Yeah. You've got to get it going in such a way that you want to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. It's also very important because you're telling yourself what you're going to talk about for the next 200 pages, 250 pages. Yeah. And you have to be very disciplined to only talk about that. You can't go rambling off or, you know, those kinds of things. And so that's kind of it. After that, it gets really messy. Yeah. And, you know, you're throwing a lot of stuff away, you're adding stuff, those kinds of things. But the idea is that you can just obsess about something for about 18 months. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know. People don't like to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but I am a goal setter. You and I are different in this. That yeah. You kind of want something and you go get it. Yeah. Where I like planning sort of 12 months out and then doing <laughs> yeah. quarterly checkups yeah. on like, those goals. Mine is so bad sometimes. Like I ran a half marathon without training because <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to run the Disney half marathon. And so I just decided to do it and I did it <laughs> and I completed it. So sometimes, sometimes that was great, but you know, I do set long-term goals. I mean, I've been in my PhD for eight years, so yeah. <laughs> that's a long-term goal that I'm continuing to work on. And so, but you and I are a little different. It's like when I decide I want something, I just go get it. Well, and I'm always curious about what mental tricks there are that help you accomplish your goals. I'm an Enneagram three with a four wing or four with a really strong three wing. So hitting goals is part of what helps me sleep at night. Yeah. And I'm always curious about that. And to have the ability to talk to Todd Herman, who has worked with so many athletes and 16 current Olympic athletes, (laughs) as we talk, as we have this conversation, the Olympics are happening. The closing ceremonies are coming up, so it may be over by the time you listen to this interview. We only talked to Todd for about 10 or 15 minutes, but he broke it down, and I thought it was a fascinating conversation. And maybe, JJ, after you hear this, maybe you will be a goal setter, a 90-day goal setter. Here's hoping. Here's hoping, because (laughs) it's the only way you're going to make the Olympic curling team. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, here's my brief conversation with Todd Herman. Todd, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Happy to be here, my man. Hey, listen, your 90-day year program has won a bunch of awards. You've changed the lives of a lot of people, and immediately I'm drawn to it because condensing time, getting more done in a shorter period of time, I'm just convinced that most of us, probably because of disorganization, probably because we don't have a plan, Less because of self-discipline, although some of us struggle with that too. We could just get more done than we're getting done, and you're helping a lot of business leaders scale up their businesses faster. How'd you get started doing this? Well, I've owned a sports science and peak performance training company for 21 years now, and I started out working with athletes on the mental game. And now when I say that, it sounds really sexy. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, like when I started out, I was doing, you know, workshops and talks to four kids in a sweaty hockey locker room after 16 (laughs) of them left because they thought what I was going to talk about was really boring. Yeah. So I cut my teeth working with young athletes. And, you know, with the model that I used with them, they started getting some results really quickly. And I was pretty fortunate enough to start working with pro athletes. I was really in the hockey space 
to begin with yeah. and ended up, I've worked in like 83, I've even lost count as 83 plus sport. I mean, the Olympics are going on right now. I've got 16 Olympians that are competing in a wow. bunch of different sports. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a very fun time of year, but it's also, especially when the Olympics are hosted in countries that are in a very vastly different time zone. I'm burning the candles at both ends. Yeah. You're up in the middle <laughs> of the night. Well, I'm grateful that you took time to talk to us. I think a lot of people find themselves when they're scaling up their business, which is really what you're doing right now with yeah. a lot of different companies. You're helping them scale up. You're helping them see the potential and reach the potential. I think a lot of us listening to this podcast, we have a vision for where we want the company to go, and we just don't know what to do next. You know, We got it started. The product is created. We hired a few people. We're profitable or we're slightly over profitable or we're slightly under. We need to tweak some things. And we want it to grow, and we kind of thought, well, you know, if you build it, they will come, right? I mean, if, you know, if we build a great product, we're just going to win because the product is everything. Turned out not to be the case. We had to work on our positioning, work on our marketing. I want to talk about this idea of the 90-day year. I would imagine, because I'm not intimately familiar with it, I would imagine you're saying because of our lack of focus and lack of organization, we're actually not getting enough done in a year, and you can actually get everything you thought you could get done in a year in 90 days. Am I true? I mean, that's what it sounds like. You're dead on. It's like you wrote my story brand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say we're doing goals wrong. So in this overall process of scaling up, how can we be more efficient? How can we turn a year into 90 days and get all this done quicker? Yeah. So... A, when it comes to like doing goals wrong, one of my great frustrations about the space that I've lived in for a long time is there's been a lot of kind of platitudes that have been force fed down people's throats that really aren't based in truth or science or fact. There's a lot of, they sound right. Like you need to have a one year, a three year and a five year goal. And just fundamentally for me, it never felt right. And when I was working with athletes, 90 days was just a cycle that we just naturally fell into because whether seasons for some people were 90 days or the halfway point of a season was 90 days. Or the off season is 90 days and you got to be ready, yeah. And so 90 days was in the beginning, we called them 90 day sprints back in the late 90s. And then we transformed it into, I ended up calling it the 90 day year. But 90 days is actually horizon line to the imagination factor in the brain. And what I mean by that is, been a lot of great studies done from the University of California, Santa Barbara, to Stanford, to University of Waterloo in Canada around how any goal that goes beyond, goal or project that goes beyond 90 days creates high levels of avoidant behavior and procrastination. They've done studies that say that your future self is perceived by your brain as somebody else. Mm -hmm. So if you actually say, I'm going to make a bunch of money and retire when I'm 65, your brain will not do that very well because it doesn't see that person as you. It sees that as somebody else who's going to retire someday. And it's hard to be motivated as much for somebody else as it is because we're hardwired to survive for ourselves. It's not a powerful enough story. Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is it's about a 90-day line before your future person is perceived as somebody else. But in 90 days, you can still think of that as you. Exactly. And you said it in a better way than probably I've said in the past even. So I might steal that from you, Don. Well, you're not stealing from me. You're stealing from whoever I heard it from. I don't know who that was. Yeah. But you're exactly right. Like anything that goes beyond eight days, it's now past the horizon line. We can't really see it anymore. It's the classic, you know, an archer doesn't shoot at a target that's over the horizon line. It shoots at a target that it can see. And yeah. so when we can see something, that means we can place ourselves in it. And that creates higher levels of motivation. Think about it. 90 days from now, it's not that far. No. And if we think about this revenue target that we're trying to hit and we're like, man, like 90 days. Yeah, I can do that. As soon as we say it's one year, it's like, oh, that's a lot of distance. 
but 90 days is the target. Now, I'm not saying don't have something that's long-term, but that's a vision. It's more ethereal. That's what I would like it to look like. And if you can paint that picture, fantastic, but don't put a target on it. When you sit down with an athlete, let's say it's the off season and yeah. you've got a hockey player and they did pretty good, didn't make the all-star team, but they did pretty good. And you know they've got incredible potential. Mm -hmm. They've got 90 days before the season starts again. How do you sit down with them and begin the goal-setting process? Take us through what you would do with this athlete. So goal-setting is actually stage four of the process, Don. This is what people have gotten wrong is people say, hey, you know what? They meet someone, they go, he's got so much potential. He's just not motivated enough. He needs a goal. Well, huh. a goal is actually in stage four of the 90-day year. Can you take us through the stages real quick? Yeah. So it'd be awesome if we had a whiteboard and I could draw this out, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you think of like an XY graph, yeah. at the very top is the word action. At the very bottom of that vertical is reflection, action and reflection. Okay, We're constantly doing that with athletes, right? They go on the field, they take action, and then we watch the game film. That's what we're always doing. Then on the horizontal line, on the left-hand side, we have past. And then on the right-hand side, we have future. So in the upper left-hand box, that's action and past. That's where we start. That's the starting point. And so when you take a look at someone's past actions, what you're getting is data. That's where you need to start. Okay. That's how you start to build what goals I should be working on or what skills I should be working on is, well, let's take a look at in business, there's five main pillars and we don't need to get into them, but like marketing, sales, and product is one of them. So let's do an assessment and get the data on how strong you are with that pillar. And so we take people through a process in an idea on them filling out this assessment sheet. The great thing about data is it's just numbers. That's what it is. And numbers don't lie. One of my great mentors is Harvey Dorfman. He's the giant of the mental game industry. And Harvey said, you know, Todd, our job as coaches is to hold up the mirror and show people as they really are, not what they think they are. And so you and I both use the word potential. It's actually a word that I don't allow to be used inside my performance company because potential is a word that average people use to excuse away average results. Hmm. And I'm kind of being harsh on the word, yeah. but so many people say, oh, he's got so much potential. I'm like, no, what's the performance? Show me the data because there is freedom and there's power in getting to the data. Like if you're an underperforming athlete, just give me the data and then you and I can plot a phenomenal path forward for how we change that. You're sounding like, have you ever made the connection? I'm curious between what you're saying and the old Alcoholics Anonymous kind of idea of, you know, we took a thorough assessment of our lives. And basically yeah. it's like, you got to understand yeah. who you really are and what you're actually doing and not live in delusion. You know what? You're about the 19th person who said that to me. I'm actually not familiar too much with it, but gaining more and more respect for the Alcoholics Anonymous <laughs> program. And so that's stage one. We just do a thorough assessment and do you use data to do that? What's stage two? I'm curious. Stage two is once you get the data, you automatically get insights. You get clarity on what the real issue is or where your strengths are. It's not just about finding pain points. It's about, you know, also finding strengths that you have and recognizing those strengths so that maybe we focus on those things more, but you get insights. And when you think about, you've talked about this in StoryBrand, when you're putting a message out there, if your message doesn't have clarity built into it, you do not give people the ability to take that next action. And so the reason most people I find have not been very good at, say, maybe setting goals or following through on goals or trying to improve themselves is most people just fundamentally feel that they're just doing it because someone else said it. They're not really clear about what the end result is going to be or what's truly going to get changed. Or is this the right sequence? Am I doing the right things at the right time? 
And so 90 day year is all about setting up these dominoes so that it's inevitable that you hit your goals. Uh, that's a word that I use all the time with clients and customers is 90 day year is about creating inevitability in your business or in your sport or in your corporation. And that's basically saying, if you do these things on these days within this 90 yes. days, it is inevitable that you would hit your mark. Exactly. Exactly. And so the process is just literally figuring out what those things are. That's where the digging is. You got to take the shovel. You got to dig a little bit into your past, see what sits there. And then you get clear then. That's what that insight section is all about. And from that insight section, so we moved from the top left quadrant where it's past actions. Then we went into past reflections. So now we're reflecting on our past based on the data that we just got. And then we move over to the right-hand bottom quadrant, which was where reflection in the future is. Now we're going to build that vision and that story of, you know, what do we want to look like in the future? Do you make your athletes sit down and write you an essay or how do you load their subconscious with vision? Yeah, we do a lot of visualization stuff and that's supported over and throughout the 90-day year kind of period of working with the athlete itself on the mental game stuff. But we're going to build that vision Absolutely. And then it's going to be supported through, you know, routine and habit, just like anything needs to be, you know, at the end of the day, Donald, the one word I care about more than anything, when I'm working with an athlete, and really when I'm working with entrepreneurs as well, is trust. Because that's where performance sits. That is the white hot center light of where performance sits. When you fully trust your practice plan, your training plan, your preparation, your routine, the habits, the skills that you have, when you trust that, you know, I've got people who are standing at the top of a black diamond run right now over in Pyeongchang, pointing skis down a slope that would, you know, make me crap my pants and going down at a speed that, you know, is mind numbing to most people. If they do not trust 100% as they go through those starter gates, they will catch an edge. They will pull up. Yeah. They will not have the form. And then they won't hit their personal best, which if they do hit their personal best, gives them the greatest chance of them you know, landing on that podium or whatever. So same thing with an entrepreneur. <laughs> There's so much gray area in business that when we can start from a place of data, you start to trust yourself more. You trust what you're doing every single day more. And that's why I don't talk about the tactics of how you need to organize your day as much and you know what app you need to use. That's all stuff that happens afterwards, which can fine tune. When you start this way, you don't need to use tactics because you've got the strategy right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're sounding like Bill Belichick. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a smart guy. We interviewed Ben Crane here on the podcast, the professional golfer, and you know he had a major shot. He sunk the shot and won the tournament years ago. And I asked him, what were you thinking? When you stepped up to the putt, he said, Don, that was the amazing thing. I wasn't thinking anything. My yeah. brain was empty and I yeah. just trusted everything that I had programmed my body to do and it did it. You know, we don't think about that, those of us who've never trained that way, but it's kind of true in business too. If we set up these systems and these weekly meetings and these things, I found it true to me. You know, I've lost a lot of weight in my life and gotten in much better shape, got a little ways to go. But I just realized, well, if I just have the habit, of getting up and driving to the gym and getting in the pool and swimming for a half hour to an hour every day, that habit is going to become a better body. You know, yeah. so I don't want to think about the better body. I want to think about the habit. And it's proving true. Well, this all makes me want to go, you know, get alone with you like Rocky in the movies. <laughs> and, you know, you're going to help me beat up some beef here. I want to spend more time with you. Let's do it. Todd, you know, we talk about the story brand framework really hits on this idea of don't play the hero, play the God. Yeah. And you will find fulfillment in life. 
the more you are focused on helping other people win. Nobody's going to do that 100%. We all play the hero in and out. And, but as we get older, we become less and less the hero and more and more the guide. And I can tell, because you and I were able to spend a little time together, you understand this idea and you've fallen for it. You got 12 or 16, did you say, in the Olympics? 16 different? 16 this year, oh, yeah. That's amazing. Well, you're helping other people win. You certainly have helped us. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. JJ, while you were listening to the interview, you realized you'd met Todd. Yes, he was in our actually, live workshop. Yeah, he came to our live workshop. <laughs> yes. And you, this was amazing because you yeah, just freaked out. I did because I f- didn't realize Todd was Todd. And he actually gave me some curling tips at the live workshop that I use today. <laughs> this is serendipity. What is happening live yes. right now is you I am so inspired. being it's set up to funny. become an Olympic curler. So he was a curler in Canada. Like he actually, he won, I think it was a regional event at 16 and went to nationals and everything so you could totally see there's a specific way that that the real curlers hold their broom but it doesn't really balance you very well and he gave me a tip in how to balance myself holding a broom so that i could actually do it and it worked i used it today todd (laughs) i used your trick today todd there are pictures of me on social media holding the broom the way todd told me to he has helped yet another champion the story brand curling champion (laughs) he has helped another champion oh Todd. Well, I love that. I found that conversation fascinating. We actually, yeah. Todd and I talked about a lot of things, and that was kind of at the last 10 or 15 minutes. And we liked that part of the conversation so much. We were like, let's air that. Yeah, yeah. Let's air that part. He knows what he's doing. If you want more information about Todd, go to 90dayyear.com. That's 90dayyear.com. You can find out more information about Todd. I'm serious about hopefully spending a day with him at some yeah. time and breaking down my goals. And Anyway, really good stuff. Listen, next week, yeah. Carrie Lorenz is on the podcast. Yes. She is an F-14 fighter pilot. Yeah. <laughs> and she's written a book about how to succeed under that kind of pressure. Yeah. And how to achieve peak performance. Amazing. I can't wait to air this one. Yeah. This time I'm just going to tease you guys a little bit. Here's a little bit of what Carrie and I talked about. So for anybody, no matter what level you are at, whether you're a successful uh, executive, you're somebody who's an entrepreneur who's just starting, or you're just trying to get your life figured out, just know that it takes courage and it takes that tenacity to keep striving and keep working hard when the shine wears off, right? When it's no longer fun and you wonder why are you showing up, but it's in the showing up day by day. And it is those little tiny pieces that help you to continue to develop a bias for action. And it's that action, that going out and doing it, that when you get stuck, when you get waylaid, when you take that concrete block to the face and you think there's no way anybody else in this world has ever failed as big or publicly as I have, and I'm gonna pull back, I'm gonna shrink, right? I'm not going to play big. But it's in those moments that those little tiny bits of action are what actually help you develop confidence. Now, as that confidence grows, so does your courage to act. Zoom, zoom. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch Top Gun again. (laughs) (laughs) We should ask her. (laughs) We should have asked her questions about that. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever flown by the tower? What do they call that? Yeah, buzz the tower. Fly by, buzz the tower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fascinating conversation. Don't miss next week. In fact, if you haven't subscribed to the Building a Story Brand podcast, just go to iTunes and subscribe so you never miss anything. 
Also, my new book, Building a Story Brand, is out right now. It's doing extremely well on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can pick up the book anywhere you buy books. If you're having trouble clarifying your message, if you want your business to grow and you think the main reason it's not growing is because you're not explaining what you do to people in such a way that they want to buy what you offer, this book solves the problem. Building a Story Brand. Buy it where you buy books, Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. 